0: All right. so that being said, uh, if you got your scripture, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5 as we dive in here. And the reason I really feel led to talk about this is because in 2020, we have seen so much crazy things happen in our world. Uh, From a pandemic to murder hornets to uh, the racial tension that's taking place in America, the political divide, the argument over masks, the Epstein issue has been brought back up. And through all of this, uh, the thing that I've been wrestling with is how do you navigate through this as a, as a pastor? How do you navigate th- through this as a Christ follower, someone who is following Jesus Christ? What does it look like for us? How do we respond? How do we answer? What do, what do we say um, with w- our response to the culture, not just in America, but really in our world? And I say that because as a Christ follower, that should be our first response, not through the lens of whatever political party you ascribe to, but through the lens of the blood of Jesus Christ. And I feel that right now and, and I'll go on in and say this, and don't this is nothing prophetic, but if you think that 2020's been crazy already, wait until we get closer to election season. It's going to get even more crazy. We're going to see more um, uprisings taking place. We're going to be seeing more of a divide taking place. And this is an opportunity for the church, the Christian church, to take a stand, not ascribing to a political party, but ascribing to the kingdom of Jesus Christ that he wants to establish on this earth. And Jesus ends up talking about um, this kingdom culture. He actually sets it up beautifully in Matthew chapter 4. And one of the things that we realize is that, that there's a difference with Jesus, is that Jesus ends up going not after behavior modification, but going after heart transformation. He's constantly um, poking at the heart, not poking at your behavior. See, oftentimes we think that Christianity is this idea of moralism whenever it's really morality. And, and here's what I mean about that. Moralism is you do good things in order to get something good to happen to you. If I behave a certain way, then I'm going to be blessed. If I do X, Y, and Z, then I'm going to be, you know, hashtag um, ballin'. If I do whatever it may be, then, then I'm going to get something in return. Where moralism is where God steps in and transforms your heart, and out of him transforming your heart, your behavior flows out of what Christ did in your heart. And so often we see Christians ascribe to this idea of moralism Um. And say, this is what Christianity looks like. This is what the church looks like. This is what I need to do. And, and you see that Jesus starts to address this in the Sermon on the Mountain. He, he, again, he doesn't go after the behavior of, of people. He goes after the heart of people. And, and, and what I love about this is what we're going to study today is the first four Beatitudes. And here's Jesus on the mountainside. The Mount of Beatitudes, as they call it today. The last time God spoke from a mountain was Exodus chapter 19, whenever he gave the law, or as we know, the Ten Commandments. And then here you see Jesus, he's about to pipe up, but he's about to pipe up, and he's going to talk about a kingdom, not in a way that the people were expecting See, the people were expecting a king that was going to come in with a lot of political influence that would build up a mighty army that would cause a revolt and that would end up turning over Israel back to the Israelites and defeating Rome. But Jesus shows up with meek and mercy and patience and love for all, regardless of how filthy your actions may be. Jesus shows up and presents a new way, a kingdom way, a different way. And then he invites you and I to be a part, not just of his kingdom, but a part of the family of God. Even if you look at Exodus chapter 19, you'll see that there's five commandments that talk about our relationship with our Heavenly Father, with God, with Yahweh. And then there's five, rela- uh, five commandments that talk about our relationship with other people. You know, thou shalt not have any other idols, thou shalt not commit murder, thou shalt not steal. And what we see here in the Beatitudes is that there's four blesseds that are about our relationship with our Heavenly Father and four blesseds that are about our relationship with each other. And so it's it's like this beautiful mirror that ends up taking place. And so here we go, Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain and he sat down. His disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them. Now, let me kind of set this up because we have to understand who's in the audience right here. Everywhere Jesus went, he always had a crowd following him, and so you have people that um, were the crowd, people that would we, we, you know, maybe the religious people would consider sinners, sinners that. Um, did a lot of bad things, were people of the night, were uh, guilty of lying and cheating on their taxes. Whatever situation it may be, they were hashtag sinners. And then on the other side of that, you also had his disciples. It even says his disciples came up to him and sat around him. His disciples were his crew. We had the 12 right there. And then the other that you see, and even at this point it wasn't even the full 12, then the other that you see is he had the religious leaders constantly following him. The religious leaders who were poking at him saying, what is this guy really talking about? What is it that he's saying? What is it that's, that's happening? What is it that he says that he's a teacher of the Torah? Who is this rabbi? And so you have these three crowds, and the religious people didn't like the sinners, and the sinners didn't like the religious people, and somewhere in there was the disciples, and they were just like, yep. And there was this tension, and Jesus sits down, and he starts teaching, and he invites, catch this, he invites the conflict between the different people in the crowd, and he starts teaching And speaking to their heart. And he starts out by saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others rival you and persecute you with all utter and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so today we're going to walk through the first four blessings that deal with our relationship with God. And I just want to kind of go in and throw this out there. I don't know how long this series is going to be. I've made up in my mind, I'm not going to rush. We're going to take our time as we walk through this series. And so there's going to be some weeks where we may cover 15 verses. There's going to be other weeks where we cover four, like today. Y'all cool with that? Yeah, okay, cool. And then here's what's great is you can go home and you can like study this for yourself and you can fact check me and you can kind of dig into it even more and it'll be good. But first, the first blessed is he said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Essentially what that means is blessed are you whenever you are poor in your spirit. He isn't talking about not having monetary things or or being impoverished or anything like that. He's talking about whenever we recognize and we realize that there is a bankruptcy in our heart and that we are broken inside and we are poor inside and that ultimately we have spiritual lack. You can't do this. Let me just say that. You can't do this. I can't do this. You can't do this. This whole Jesus thing, we can't do this by ourselves which is why we have Jesus and why we have the Holy Spirit who has empowered us to be able to do what we cannot do. And that's another reason why we have gospel-centered community that we are invited into so that we have each other, the church, building each other up and encouraging each other to be able to walk this thing out. It's people who don't think highly of themselves. Blessed are those people, the poor in spirit, Who recognize their need for a Savior. You see, our world would tell you, blessed are those who think highly of themselves. We even promote that in our educational system. Like, make the best. You are the best. We even hand out participation trophies, right? For all you millennials, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You got it. Some of you Gen Zers, too. Y'all are still getting it. You didn't even do anything this year, and you still graduated. I'm joking. I'm joking. I love y'all. I love I had to. I'm sorry. But like, right? Jesus is saying, "Blessed are those who are broken inside, who are poor inside, who are in need of a savior." And then he goes on to the second one. "Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted." Now, this isn't necessarily talking about, and th- th- it is, but it isn't. And so hear me out. This isn't talking about you lose a loved one and you're broken and you're mourning. Yes, we will be comforted through that. But this is, um, notice that it's following immediately. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are bankrupt spiritually. And then blessed are those who mourn. You're bankrupt spiritually, and then you catch yourself mourning your sin. I, I want you to think about this. How often do you mourn your sin? How often do you go out and you sin willingly and rightfully knowing that you are sinning against God, and you just... Cheap grace, right? You just keep going, it's like, my life's good, I'm hashtag blessed, hashtag grace. I don't know why I'm saying hashtag a whole lot, but I just am. I used to never say that. But um, but I, I, I think about that, you know, like people... Who would be willing to mourn over their brokenness and mourn over their sin because they know that they have hurt their heavenly Father? And oftentimes, when we sin, we also hurt someone else. Whenever Christy and I, we were in Israel, we we went to the Temple Mount, and the Temple Mount, they like bring you. Uh, I think it's like ten stories or eight stories underground to where the base of the temple is, and it's you. You think about it; it's like we're literally walking on the road where Jesus walked on, and and they're kind of walking us through, and there's some parts that are really big, and then there's other parts. It's like a cave where, you know, you're just walking through like this, but you've got the temple mound right here, and we get to this one particular spot, and there's these women. The women were allowed to pray um, in this particular area, Uh, the Jewish women were allowed to pray, and it was the area that was closest to where the Holy of Holies would have been, which is according to Jewish custom and tradition, not biblical, um, but according to their Jewish custom and tradition is where they believe the whole uh, foundation of the earth ended up taking place. We know it as um, the place where Abraham went to go uh, offer Isaac as a sacrifice. So There's all these connections there. It's really interesting. But while we're sitting there, We literally saw this this woman who's reading from the Torah, reading from the law. Her, her, Her head is covered and you just see her weeping up against the wall as she's reading the law even if you look in the Old Testament, you would see people, the the law would be read, right? Like, uh, in Nineveh, the law was read, and people started weeping, or whenever Nehemiah rebuilt the walls around Jerusalem, they ended up celebrating by reading of the law, and people would start weeping. My question is, is when we get face-to-face with Jesus, or whenever we dive into the Scripture, does it bring us to a place of weeping because of our poor, because we are poor in spirit, and ultimately because we are broken because of our sin. We are mourning because of our sin. Look, it is good to mourn whenever we sin. I just want to throw that out there. Conviction is good. Condemnation is not. Conviction is good. Uh, If we have no mourning, we should check our heart. If you sin and you don't think anything about it, you should ultimately check your heart. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn the world says blessed are those who find self-satisfaction in things in our sin. And then and then you have the third one. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now I think this is interesting because, again, our world would say you need to not be meek. We look at meekness as weakness whenever Jesus looks at it as strength. And and I love what one theologian said. He said, meekness is strength under God's control. Meekness is strength under God's control control it's whenever we get to a place where we can bless the lord regardless of the situations that happen to us regardless of how great things are going on regardless of the persecution that may be taking place where we can walk in meekness not walk with a swagger and and i just need to say this if sometimes you walk with a swagger and look i do sometimes i'm like oh look at me not really lately i've been like oh look at me i need the gym to open right but um, but if we walk with a Christian swagger, can I just remind you that you did nothing for your salvation? It was all the goodness and the glory and the grace of God? You did nothing for your salvation. You simply opened up your hands and you received this grace. you received this love. you received this mercy. It was all Jesus. You did nothing. And so, if we walk around with the Christian swagger, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, there's an aspect of me that gets really irritated with Christian culture. Can I get an amen to this? I get really irritated with Christian culture of like you got to look a certain way and act a certain way, and and I'll be I'll be honest, I find myself falling into this comparison trap right, falling into this comparison trap of like, well, I don't look like that, and I don't preach like that, and, and man, I need to be who God created me, and I need to walk in the meekness that the Holy Spirit has given me, and not with this Christian swagger. You ain't got no swagger. You, you don't, and if you do, that's called pride, and pride leads before the fall, and let me just say this, First Peter said God opposes, he hates our pride. So what does meekness look like? Meekness looks like strength in the eyes of God. Meekness looks like strength in the kingdom of God. Now, I want to kind of draw this parallel before we get to the last one, and we wrap this thing up. Notice that being poor in spirit, leads to a place where we mourn for our sins and then we walk from a posture of meekness that then creates an appetite for the things of God. Our poor in spirit leads to a place of mourning for our sins, recognizing our need for Jesus as our Savior, who then starts to shift the way that we walk and we We enter into community with our Heavenly Father from a place of weakness where we have no swagger Where then creates an appetite for us, the children of God. And in verse 6, it said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. That's a promise right there. Blessed are you when you hunger and thirst for righteousness. How many of you guys are going to go grab food after this? Show of hands. If you're watching online, if you're going to go grab food, maybe you're eating right now in your kitchen, like will you just like the the post right now? Just like it? If you're watching on YouTube, give it a thumbs up. If you're watching on Church Online, there's a little heart thing. Just hit that heart. Mom, hit that heart. Mom's watching right now every Sunday. It's so funny. I love my mama. Whenever we're hungry, what do we do? We eat. Why is it that in a physical sense we can do this so easily, but in a spiritual sense, whenever we start to get an appetite for the goodness of God, we don't actually take a step to fill or to satisfy our appetite. Can I just challenge all of us right now, January 12th, 2020, to approach God with our appetite and to come and eat and to come and drink like like I want you to think about this. Our heavenly Father has got this massive banquet table that he is preparing right now up in heaven for his church, for us the people of God. And even right now here on this earth, he gives us a promise. If you are hungry, if you are thirsty for righteousness, you shall be satisfied. All we have to do is we have to eat. Come to the table. Come to the table and eat from the goodness of God. Well, Michael, that's weird. I know it sounds weird, but kind of let me explain this a little bit. Maybe we need to pull the Bible off the shelf, and we need to dust the the dust that's been sitting on it and piling on it off, and we need to crack that thing open, and we need to dive into Matthew chapter 5 this week, and we need to start eating from the Word of God. Scripture says that the law is honey to our lips. This is something that will satisfy us. This is why we see for generation upon generation upon generation upon generation of people who were hungry for the righteousness of God and who kept pursuing it and God filled them and satisfied them and then they did amazing things for the kingdom of God. Because there is a hunger and there is a thirst And if I can just be honest with you all right now, it's been really hard to be hungry and thirsty in the middle of a pandemic. It's been really hard to get alone and to crack open my Bible and to say, all right, I'm going to commit the next 15 minutes to reading Scripture right now. Why? Because I turn on CNN or Fox News or MSNBC, or because I go on social media and I read about 17 different conspiracy theories that the church is passing around. Stop it. What would happen if we shifted our focus from what's on mainstream news or what's on your Facebook or TikTok or Instagram page, and we started shifting our focus towards pursuing the righteousness of God and allowing there to be a hunger and an appetite and a thirst to grow for the goodness of God? What would your life look like? I can tell you what will happen. You will be satisfied. You will be satisfied. I will be satisfied. There is nothing in this world right now, nothing that's going to satisfy you except for Jesus. Except for Jesus. So again, he has three different types of people as he says these things. Blessed. Are the poor in spirit? Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Three different types of people. And today we have three different types of people in this room or watching online. First, we have disciples. Disciples who genuinely are pursuing Jesus, genuinely are growing in Jesus, genuinely walking and allowing the grace of God to be fresh and anew to them every day. And I just want to challenge you, if you consider yourself and call yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ, to like keep going, keep pursuing, keep running after Him. Maybe you've been a little dry right now. Maybe you've been a little stagnant right now. My challenge for you is to like just crack into the Word of God or turn on that worship song or maybe just like get away to the lake since you can't fly or travel anywhere right now, which I'm really angry about, by the way. But like get away at the lake and just spend a few moments just meditating on the goodness of God and allow yourself to be filled. The second group is the religious. And you may not consider yourself religious, but if you're constantly trying to earn something from God or earn the approval of men and women around you, my bet is is that there's a spirit of religiousness that is inside of you. That sometimes we do things a little pharisaical, Or better yet, if you turn to everyone else and you start judging your life and your family and your your actions based upon their actions, the chances are you're just like the Pharisees. And I want to invite you to come to the table and to taste and eat from the grace of God and the goodness of God and let that speak over you. And the third group that we have here right now or watching online is the sinners. People who feel like they've been so far from God. People who feel like they've been so disconnected. People who who maybe have just gotten involved in so much stuff that they feel like there's no turning around. Can I just tell you that if Michael Moore can be found by the grace of God, you can be found by the grace of God. And Jesus is not sitting here today piping over you and heralding over you all the wicked things that you did. But Jesus is heralding over you how amazing and how blessed you are because of the blood that he ended up shedding. Because of the blood that Christ shed, God can look at you and see you through the lens of Christ. All you have to do is come. All you have to do is come and recognize that we can be poor in our spirit and we need a Savior. Mourn for what it is that we did because God will comfort us. Walk in a manner of meekness and allow that appetite for righteousness and hunger to stir up inside of you. Come to the table. Come to the the table. Jesus spoke these words. And when he spoke these words, all three different types of people, whatever background they were in their life, were hit in their heart. Notice he doesn't say fix up your attitude and then you'll get the kingdom of heaven. Notice he doesn't say make sure to tithe 17%, which isn't even a tithe, tithe is 10. And then you'll inherit the kingdom of God. He says, check your heart. As we come back, as we are watching at home right now, let me ask you this how's your soul doing? How's your soul really doing? Are you weighed down with the burdens of this world? Are you weighed down with the sin and the brokenness that is around us? Are you weighed down by your own ridiculous actions or that addiction that you can't break? Jesus invites you to come. Come to the table. And he just doesn't leave it there. He then looks at you and says, hey, you are blessed. You are blessed. What I'd like to do right now is I just want to pray for us. If we could all just bow our heads and close our eyes. and I just want to pray for us regardless of where you are, this is not a call to salvation. Maybe this is a call to salvation for some of you, but this is for everyone here and everyone watching online. If you find yourself weary, if you find yourself broken, if you find yourself in need of Jesus, you just need to be refreshed. You've just been weighted down with the brokenness of this world, I just want you to slip up your hand right now. I just want to pray for you right where you are because of social distancing. Yeah, yeah, guys. If you would be so bold to just leave that hand up. Father, I just want to speak life and rest to every hand that is up right now, to every person who is watching online. God, that you would satisfy them, that today would be a new day, a day of your grace, a day of your goodness, that we would taste and see that the Lord is good, that you would satisfy them, that all the heaviness of this world, all the heaviness of our sin would be broken off, and we would see you do what only you can do. In Jesus' name. Look, I know that that was more of a general call, but if you've never said yes to Jesus or you are watching online, um, send us an email at info at citychurchalbany.com, but if you're here today or if you're online, we want to give this book to you. If you've never said yes to Jesus and today you're saying yes to Jesus, it's at the back host table. They've all been sanitized, um, and so just talk to a host team member and we will get that To you, but for everyone else, including myself, I want us to end today walking out of here knowing that you are blessed, not because of anything you did, but because of what Christ has done.